Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. We want to continue a series uh, called Koinonia. Someone say Koinonia. We're probably saying it wrong, but that's a Greek word which uh, thinks about fellowship, being together, community is this word. And we're doing this as a preparation. Last week, Pastor Daniel shared a word and the word was cohort. This idea of a small group of being together with a few people to grow together, to encourage one another. And we read from Acts chapter 2 and it says this in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. That word there is koinonia. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Someone say homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, uh, day by day, those who were being saved. We pray that the same work that God is doing in Thailand, that God would do right here in Horizon Church, whether in Princeton, in Surrey, around the world, that we would see thousands of people come to know Jesus. And we can see that in the early church, there's this fellowship they had together and certain practices that they did, certain practices that are still part of the church today, thousands of years later. And what we want to do is we think about koinonia, think about this idea of cohorts, being together in small groups, there's a few practices that we want to encourage all of us to still be part of. Because we know that when we do, it leads to our growth and Christ is glorified, as Pastor Daniel shared last week. Some of these practices are reading our Bible, discussing it together, talking, sharing it together. We're thinking about those two this morning. In smaller groups, we can think about being on mission. We could also think about support caring for one another, and also prayer, these practices of the church that have always been there, encourage us to grow and become conformed to the image of Christ. And so today we want to think about those first two, about the Bible and about discussion. And we're actually going to look at a text uh, that I'm really excited to look for in Luke chapter 24, uh, known as the story of the road to Emmaus. And what we want to do is we look at this, uh, this text, this story, we see two groups of people. First, we see a group of two disciples walking on a road. And then later, we see a group of the 11 plus disciples, and they're meeting in a home. And in these instances, we see a Bible study break out and conversation happen that is Christ-centered that Jesus is the center of the conversation as they look to the word, look to the scriptures, and they talk about it together. 
So as we walk through this text, we kind of have two lenses that we want to think about. As we think about this idea of Christ-centered conversations, looking to Scripture, talking about it together, discussing it together. And in our text in Luke 24, the main theme is the theme of resurrection. To catch you up to the story, Jesus has walked in his earthly ministry. Uh, He had the Last Supper with his disciples. He made his way to the cross. On the way there, he was beaten and bruised and mocked and whipped. He was then hung on a cross where he died for our sins in our place, for us. He was then buried, and then guess what happened? Three days later, he rose from the dead. Amen? This is the hope of the church. This is the hope of us, is that Jesus is alive. And now after his resurrection, Jesus shows up to people about a dozen times, often in smaller groups of about two or 12 or whatever I mean, one time 500 people. But Jesus shows up. This story that we're looking at, the big theme is this idea is that Jesus is alive. He's revealing himself to his disciples and saying, I'm here. You can touch me. You can see the scars in my hand that Jesus is alive. But I find it significant that the context that Jesus chooses to reveal himself in is often smaller groups of people. He could have called a big parade. He could have called all these people to come and let me show you to all the people. But he chooses most frequently after his resurrection, to reveal himself in smaller groups. I think there's some significance to there. And we want to think about that as we walk through the text. What's possible as we gather in small groups, and specifically, we look to scriptures and we have conversations. This morning, we want to think about a message called Burning Hearts. Someone say, Burning Hearts. Not heartburn. This isn't an ad for Tums. But we're thinking about burning hearts. And so let's read the text together. uh, And then we're going to walk through and, and, and see what God would speak to us about when we gather today in small groups. What does that look like? And what can happen when we do that, when we intend together to meet and look to scriptures and discuss? So let's look. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. I'm going to read through the text. We have it in front of us. And then we'll keep going. Cool? Awesome. Are you still ready in Princeton? Perfect. We all heard them say, yeah, all the way here in Surrey. So it says in verse 13, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. What had just happened? Uh, Jesus had died. Jesus was crucified. They were talking about all these things, trying to figure out what was going on. While they were talking and discussing, someone say discussing, together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation uh, that you were holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, uh, and they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, 
Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem uh, who does not know of the things that have happened, uh, happened uh, there in these days? And he said to them, what things? Which is an interesting question because they're talking about Jesus, but they don't perceive that it's him. And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty indeed, and uh, the word, uh, uh, mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and they did not find his body. They came back saying that they had even seen a vision of, an, of angels who said that he was alive. Some of, them, uh, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him we did not see. So we get that there's, that there's rumors that Jesus is alive, but they, they don't believe it. They don't understand it. They can't perceive what's going on. They can't see it. And he said to them, this is Jesus, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So on this walk, as they're walking this seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus, they're confused, they're sad, they're in despair, no hope. They're talking to Jesus, who they think is a stranger, and then Jesus breaks into a Bible study as he reveals through the scripture how they speak about Jesus and what his purpose and ministry was. Let's keep going, verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. What an amazing story that they realize finally who this is, that it's Jesus, and then he disappears. He teleports, I don't know what happens, burst of light, who knows, but Jesus vanishes from their sight. Not a magic trick, he legit vanishes from their sight. Then they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us? while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. Someone say scriptures. This is amazing. And they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11, those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed. And he has appeared to Simon. Then they told him what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as they, were talking, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. We'll stop there this morning. 
This is an incredible story. Amazing. Where Jesus, these two disciples are walking, leaving Jerusalem. They're leaving Jerusalem because they're in despair. Their, their dreams and hopes have been shattered because their master, the one they've been following, is dead. And they're confused. There's rumors he is alive, but we don't see it. And as they're walking on this road, about a two and a half, three and a half hour walk. Now, if you're Del Blanc, you could probably do that in about two. We're pretty fast walkers. But they're walking along the way. The stranger comes alongside them and starts walking with them and talking with them. And I, in this story, I think we can find something that can encourage us about what it looks like for us to gather in community in smaller groups when we look to Scripture and discuss it together. So we want to think about burning hearts. But as I was preparing, I started thinking, that. have you ever noticed that there's some things that are just better with a group? Better with a smaller group. I asked my wife this yesterday, and the first thing to her mind, something that's better with a group of people is food. Anybody enjoy a meal with some people? You know, I've a few times in my life I've done the awkward thing. Maybe you're traveling, whatever it is, and you will go to a restaurant and you eat alone. It's an odd experience when you're by yourself eating. Eating with people is so much better. You get to talk about it. One time we went on a double date with Carly and Jacob. It was so awesome as we ate the food and we're sharing dishes and we're like, ooh, this is really tasty. It elevates the experience. There's other things that are better in groups as well. For example, tennis. Have you ever thought about playing tennis by yourself? Not really a lot of fun, but it's something that's way better when you play it with someone else. The, the experience is elevated. Watching the Super Bowl is a lot better with a few other people. Random note, guys, if you're planning on watching alone, did you know that you can join us today to watch the Super Bowl here at church? You don't have to watch alone. There'll be food and a good time. Don't watch the Super Bowl alone. Even if you don't like football, uh, you can still watch because there's food and great guys. Uh, even if you think about uh, something that's much better with a group than by yourself is uh, celebrating a birthday. Um, that's really sad if you celebrate your birthday alone. No one with you, a whole sheet cake that you just got to eat by yourself. No, it's so much better when you have a group of people. The experience is elevated. And did you know science confirms this? Did you know they've done scientific studies and fun is more fun with friends? Science has confirmed it. Fun is more fun with friends. When you do whatever the activity is, it's fun by yourself. But when you add people that you're familiar with, it heightens the experience. And today we want to think about this idea is that studying the Bible together, it can heighten the experience. That when you study in the context of a smaller group of people, that it actually can elevate your understanding. You can know things in a deeper way because it's better to do things together, including reading Scripture and so we want to look at that in, in light of this text. Think about this idea of reading Scripture together. Reading Scripture together in small groups and discussions, just so you know, Jesus modeled this practice. Whenever Jesus would show up to a new place, he would go to the synagogue and they would discuss the Scriptures. 
We see this frequently. I love one of my favorite portions of scripture Jesus teaches about the, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. Before he teaches, what he does is he says this in Luke chapter 10. And behold, the lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? Jesus once again turns it into a Bible study. And then he says, how do you read it? That's compelling. Jesus here, as is his practice, invites people into a conversation so that we can understand the scripture together. Jesus models the practice and his earliest followers do the exact same thing. The early church, they often met to talk about the scriptures and read it in the context of community. We even see this with the Bereans. Someone say Bereans. We read in Acts chapter 17 that there is this great group of Christians in the city called Berea. And one thing that sets them apart, as it says in the text, is that, that now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. The, in, the, the, the Jews in Thessalonica rejected the teaching. But those in Berea went further. They received the word with all eagerness. And then catch this, examine the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And as a result, many of them believed. Now, when we read that text in our modern context, we might think, oh yeah, just like a church today, I'm gonna share some things from a text. If you were studious, you could go home to your Bible, read it and figure out what I said. Right? Because we live in 2023. But in the context for the Bereans, that's not how they read Scripture. Why? They didn't own a copy of the Bible. There was a scroll at the synagogue. That was pretty much it. So if you wanted to study Scripture, the way that culturally you did it and practically you had to is you did it together. Some people were illiterate. Praise the Lord, we can read, and then we have Bible translations that are in English. We can do that. But the earliest believers, when they studied Scripture, it was always in the context of community. And I believe today that I'm encouraging us to read our Bible in our devotions and study Scripture by yourself. Yes, important, do it. But I also think we miss out when we don't follow the practice of Jesus and his earliest followers to read and understand the scriptures together in the context of a smaller group. And I want to encourage us because it's transformational when we do this. So we want to think about a few things this morning in light of Luke chapter 24. I want to think about uh, three things. The first thing is this, is that what can it look like from our text, what does it look like if we say, yeah, I'm going to get with a smaller group of people to read the scripture and discuss it? What could it look like? And what can this text tell us? There's so much more that we can say. We're not going to get there. We're going to focus on what we can find in Luke chapter 24. You still with me? Okay, first thing, what can it look like when we endeavor to study scripture and talk about it in a context of a small, a small community? The first thing is this, is that the conversations are real. The conversations are real. In the text that we read in Luke 24, it says that they were talking and discussing. In the original language, it might even be strong enough that they were maybe like debating. They were, tr they were trying to figure out what happened. 
They, 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 they have their experience. They're probably thinking about what they, Jesus has taught them, the scriptures that they've read, and they're discussing, trying to figure out what happened. Now, side note, Jesus told them what was gonna happen. He told them that he was gonna die. He told them that he would rise again, but they didn't get it. Doesn't that make us all feel a little bit better? that the earliest disciples didn't always get it. And we're like, okay, work in progress. God's figuring it out in me. Awesome. But here we go. Uh, they're in this, this, they're in a conversation. It's a real conversation. They're asking questions. They're thinking together. They're discussing. They're thinking about the word. In a small group context, that's what it can look like when we discuss God's word. Even Jesus models what it can look like. He asks good questions. Does Jesus know the answer? Yes, he, he knows the answer. He also is the answer, but he knows the answer. But he asks them, he models to us. We can do this with the text. When we gather with friends, when we gather with our family, when we gather in a smaller group, maybe a cohort, you can look at a text and then we say, well, what does this mean? What, what's God trying to speak through this text? What do you think this and we have these conversations and we can look at the text and it's an exciting proposition. The next thing is what it can look like is that emotions are shared. Emotions are shared. One thing I see in this text. Now, one thing we don't have time to look at this morning is that after the road to Emmaus, they, they meet Jesus, they go have a meal with him, he opens the bread, he, their eyes are opened. Then what they do is they make the seven-mile walk back to Jerusalem to meet with the rest, of the, the rest of the apostles. And then what happens is there's this repeated action of them talking about what's happened, Jesus coming, showing up, leading a Bible study, and, and, and then them understanding. We see these happening again in the text. And in both cases, we see that the disciples aren't afraid to, like, be honest. In the road, the, the, on the walk, the road to Emmaus, it says that they are sad. Their heads are low. They're visibly okay with expressing in the context of this small group to say, hey, I'm not doing very well. Same thing happens in the house with the, with the apostles. They're, like, in doubt, figuring it out, confused that we can live in a type of community, a smaller group, where we can just be ourselves. And that's okay. I love that the, these disciples weren't afraid to reveal how they were feeling and that Jesus is never afraid. He doesn't like leave us when we're real and say, this is how I'm actually feeling. Because what can often happen in a large gathering like this? Now you might be saying, Ryan, some of these things happen in the big gathering. Yes, they do. The big gathering's super important. We should come together to hear God's word, to celebrate, to worship. This is very important. But what can happen sometimes in this really big setting, do you guys ever have this? You're coming to church and maybe you've got kids or maybe you've got a small white dog in my case um, and something goes awry in the morning. Something gets spilled. This morning I was taking the bus and a car drove by and splashed me with water and you're feeling discombobulated. Maybe your family's in the car and everyone's yelling at each other and they're, get in the car! And everyone's trying to get to church. Dress up! Why are you wearing that? I don't know if you're a yelling family. We're not, but, um, but this can happen. And then you get to church and everyone's like yelling and fighting and kids are kicking. And then you open the door and everyone's like, hey, 
How, how's it going? It's good to be at church together. Praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord. No, but you need a place in a smaller context where you can just be, I'm a total disaster. I'm so grateful. I've got friends. I've got brothers. That when I am feeling terrible, when I'm anxious, my friend Ashton, he was playing bass this morning. Sometimes we just sit together. How are you doing? And we can actually honestly say how we're doing. And we need those kind of conversations where we can be encouraging. No, for us, Jesus had this kind of group. So Jesus had like the, all, the, all the followers, hundreds of them. He then had the 12, but out from the 12, he had three. Only three he invited to the garden. In his small group, he was able to visibly show, I'm not doing well. Jesus kind of models this ability for us to kind of express how we're feeling and our emotions. And I know a lot of the guys are thinking, oh, my Lanta, he's talking about sharing our emotions again. I just want him to finish so I could watch the Super Bowl and watch the Eagles win. Can't he just move on? No, here's the thing. I want to encourage the men. Can I speak to the men for a moment? Uh, men in our culture are often alone and isolated. Statistically so. They don't have close friends, deep, meaningful relationships. I'm not saying that you should just let everybody know how you're feeling all the time. Because in the context of our text, they're not strangers. These are people that they've walked with, people that they've been with, people that they know, and they're, this is how I'm doing. You need a few, not a lot, but you need a few really good friends. And as you intentionally build that relationship, the natural outflow will be that I can actually trust these guys and I can tell them how I'm doing. Men, you, you need friends. This is an amazing opportunity and I encourage you, one of the best places to meet friends is at church. I've got a friend that he's like, I don't know, he's been, he moved to a new place, he's not a believer yet. He's like, I can't find friends. Well, I know a place you can find some friends. Go to church, start serving together, talk about meaningful things, and eventually you're like, whoa, we're friends. And we can actually talk about real things. So again, that's a side note. In that context of small groups, you can come and bring yourself. Now, maybe most important thing, what these groups can look like, is that scripture is essential. Scripture is essential. Jesus puts a high priority on Scripture. They're not talking about random things, that Jesus leads them to understanding, leads them to truth as he opens the Word, as he opens Scripture. We, when we find a small group, it's, yeah, it's good to have friends, it's good to have a group of people that we like to, I don't know, paint our nails with, whatever it might be, but you need some people that you can talk about Scripture with that you can talk about the word with, and it becomes the central thing that we look at, that we want to understand God's word, because God's word is powerful. Jesus puts a high priority on scripture and uses it to bring understanding to the disciples about who he is and his ministry. The scriptures are the ultimate reliable source for the self-revelation of God. We need to be those. We are people of a book. This is what Christians are. We've got a book that God said, I'm going to teach you who I am and what I'm all about and who you are and how we can be on mission. Here it is. So when we gather, we need to gather with people that put God's word central, that we look to understand it. God's word is essential.
Uh, two more quick things that we see in our text is that when it comes to these smaller groups where people gather to talk about Jesus, Christ-centered conversations, is that hospitality is present. Not only on the road to Emmaus, eventually they end up in a house and they have food together. They, Jesus pretends that he's going to keep walking and they're like, no, 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 come, hospitality, come to my house, let's be together, let's spend some time, have some food. With the apostles later, guess what? They give Jesus some food, he eats some fish. He's clearly risen, he's not a ghost because ghosts don't eat broiled fish. It's what the text is teaching us. Jesus is alive! But there's this hospitality element that we need to get some people where we can be welcome people in, that we can break bread, we can show. And this is amazing. Sometimes we think, oh, hospitality, not super important. But did you know it says in the text, he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. That I think today that Jesus is still reveals himself in the breaking of bread and not just the communion table. But that as we gather for fellowship, for hospitality, for a meal, for a conversation that Jesus reveals himself in the breaking of bread, fellowship, and food. Last one is that the location is flexible. One thing I love about these small groups, one is on a road, and they're just walking and having a Bible study together as they walk. Did you know you can meet with some people and talk about Jesus in a park? As you just walk together, it's an amazing thing. But there's flexibility. It can be in a home. It can be in a car. Let me tell you, I've had lots of meaningful conversations while on long road trips with my friends. One of them, is his name is Prince. Everyone say, hi, Prince. He's a good-looking guy in the back. But here we go. But we've driven hours together. And while we do that, in addition to singing Southern Gospel, what we do is we talk about the Bible. We talk about Jesus. Random note, I'm not joking. Me and my friend Prince, who's younger than me, we literally sing in the car Southern gospel and gospel music the whole way. It's a beautiful time. Glory to God. Anyway, but the location's flexible. You, we need to find community, but we also don't need to get hung up. That we can meet with people and God can show up in all sorts of locations. Last thing I want to think about this morning. We're cutting one out. First is this is what can it look like? Those are some things of what these Christ-centered conversations can look like. But I now want to think about what can happen. What could the result be when we choose to enter into meaningful conversations, looking to Scripture, talking about Jesus together? What could happen? The first is this. Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. Twice in the, uh, uh, Luke 24, it says that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now, he could have just said Jesus showed up, but it emphasizes Jesus himself drew near. It says that later in the text, once again, Jesus himself stood with them that as these people gather around a conversation, they're feeling discombobulated, they have no hope, they're talking, they're leaving Jerusalem feeling defeated, and then Jesus himself is present in the context of a conversation, in the context of community. He walks with them, he enjoys a meal with them. We know this is true when we gather in the big setting, this is important, that Jesus is here, 
right? Like this is really important. Something that God's been highlighting and pressing on my heart recently is of his constant presence. Jesus promises, surely I will be with you sometimes. No, surely I will be with you always. And there's something special that when we get together in this large group singing, celebrating, that we are aware that Jesus shows up. But I want to encourage you, you need to have the same understanding that when you have a conversation centered on Christ, he shows up there too, in a real way. This this transforms what it looks like to meet in a small group. I've done the small group thing and you're like, I don't think anybody showed up tonight. No, Jesus showed up. When we gather around him, put him central, look to his word, Jesus delights to show up when his people gather. Jesus shows up. And we shouldn't be surprised when he shows up. Jesus loves unity. He's praying for unity. Loves when his people get together around him. And then he shows up. He is in the room. You need to know this, that if you go on a a walk with your friend, I can remember one time I was walking with my twin brother. I was going through a terrible time, trying to make a decision. What am I going to do? My brother's walking with me. And I was very keenly aware that Jesus was present as well. Walking in Green Timbers Park, we're walking, and it wasn't just two, it was three, because Jesus walks with us. Jesus delights to show up. There's a famous preacher, last name Spurgeon. He says this, when two saints are talking together, Jesus is very likely to come and make the third one in the company. Talk of him and soon you will talk with him. You will talk with him that Jesus is present speaking in and through us. I've had these conversations. Hey, Josh, how are you this morning? He's doing well, he's waving. We've had conversations in this room where we talked about scripture. Oh, God's saying this, yeah, this is this. That reminds me of this verse. And I was keenly aware God was present. It wasn't just the two of us, that God was there speaking through us. This can happen when we gather is that Jesus shows up. That just like he's present right now, Jesus, we thank you that you're here with us, that you're speaking that you're moving. And that's the same thing. Sometimes we fail to recognize that in our small group settings, at the coffee shop, in the car. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that sometimes you have dinner with a friend and then the real conversation happens, oh, I should probably go. And you get the jackets on and you slowly start moving to the door, but you don't stop talking. And eventually you're on the stairs by the door and you're still talking, right? Jesus is there. We need to be aware of his constant presence and he delights to show up in the context of small groups of Christians that put him in the center. Next thing I want to think about is this. So not only does Jesus show up, but when we gather to discuss scripture, to talk about it, that Jesus opens stuff. (laughs) That Jesus opens stuff 
up. In our text today, he, it says first that he opens their eyes, that for, a season, for the walk that they couldn't see, God did something that they couldn't perceive that it was Jesus. But then later, in the context of fellowship, in the context of a conversation and sharing food, their eyes are open. Jesus opens their perception to see who he is. Did you know that in Bible study, he does the exact same thing today? that he opens our ability to understand who he is more clearly when we look to his word, that we perceive him in our lives and see where he is working. He opens up their eyes. Later with the apostles, it says the exact same thing, that Jesus reveals himself, he teaches from scripture, that the Old Testament, all these promises, he reveals how he's on every page, and then what happens is he opens their mind to understand the scriptures, that Jesus loves to open things up. Things that were locked, things that were hidden, Jesus delights in opening them up for us. In our context, he does this in the context of a Bible study in a small group of believers. That Jesus can do this personally, that Jesus loves to open things up. He loves to open up scripture. He loves to open up understanding. He loves to open up our perception of God. He loves to open our hearts. He also loves to open prison doors, blind eyes, and graves. Jesus loves to open things up. Amen? Amen. Jesus delights in helping reveal the word through us. And he can do it personally, but he often does through his, through his people. He can do it personally, but he also does it through his people. That the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer is that we can actually help one another understand God's word better. I was talking to my friend, my friend Dietrich. Right now he's up in the booth mixing this for online. And we were talking about this yesterday because I'm like, if I'm going to plan a sermon about talking about scripture, I should probably talk to people about what I'm preaching. So I did this throughout the week. And yesterday me and Dietrich were talking. And we're like, why do you think that God shows up? And what's so powerful when believers get together to talk about scripture? And he had this amazing thought, is that God loves diversity. That God has made his body with eyes and elbows and fingers and feet and people that have different understanding and perspectives and ability to see things. So what happens when we get together in a smaller group and talk about Jesus? I'm limited. I can, I've got blind spots. I've got cultural things that I can read scripture so far. But God has designed it that we read scripture. When we do this together, I can now start understanding deeper. Because the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that inspired the word, can illuminate it, not only to me, but to you. Did you know that? That God can reveal himself as we gather together. I've seen this time and time again. First, Colossians 3.13. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That means, this is for believers, that includes you. Someone say, me? That's you that we should encourage and teach one another. You're like, but that's a teacher's job. No, that's a believer's job. That we can teach one another because the same spirit that illuminated it, can, that inspired it, can illuminate it as well that we could be able to share it. And I've seen this in my own life. We used to do a ministry back in the day at another church that I was at called The Table. And we would gather for three things. We at tables in a gym, nothing fancy, paper plates. We would gather, have a home-cooked meal. Someone would share from the word and then shockingly, guess what? We'd talk about it at our tables. 
And I, I would preach, like I would prepare like I did today. And I'm reading commentaries, praying to the Lord, studying the scripture, looking at the language. And then I would preach the message. And you know what happened every week that I preached? We'd get around that table, drinking some church coffee, which means it's not very tasty. <laughs> and as we're sitting there talking about the text, and I'm listening to my brothers and sisters, some of who are struggling with addiction, some of whom were homeless, some of whom were young single families, whatever it might be, as we all talked together, I started understanding the text better. And I'd already spent hours studying it, but there was things I could not see by myself. And that's what I want to encourage us believers, that we need to find some people that we can talk about God's word with because God wants to help us understand it, that we might grow in it and that our hearts might be set ablaze as he reveals himself to us. Last thing that I'm going to share this morning is this. We've thought a little about what it looks like. We're right now thinking about uh, what can happen. First is this, is that Jesus shows up and that Jesus opens things up. The last thing is that Jesus sends us. Someone said, send it. <laughs> I just thought it sounded cool. In our text, Jesus reveals the scripture to them. They understand it. Their hearts are burning. That's what they say. Did not our hearts burn inside of us when he opened the scriptures to us? You know what their response is that after Jesus reveals who he is? They've already been on a three and a half hour walk. Their first response is, we got to go back to where we came from. Let's go walk three and a half more hours. Now, they probably went Del Blanc speed on the way back and made it in two, but they, they were energized that in response to God's revealing himself to us, helping us understand his word in the context of community, is that the response is movement. That the response is that we are sent. And what they do is that we got, I gotta share this message. And I wish for all of us that that would be our experience. That when we study scripture, that our hearts would burn so much in us because we're understanding Jesus. He's there. He's teaching us through our brothers and sisters. And I'm, oh, I didn't even see it that way. This is amazing. It's bubbling up inside of me. And my response and our response would be, I've got to tell somebody. I got to move. I got to, there's, there's a response. There's a movement that happens that Jesus then sends us. And guess what? Next week, Pastor Craig is going to preach an incredible message about what it might look like for small groups of people to live on mission. That's what you're preaching about next week, right? That's what it is. But he's going to teach us some more about that. But that's what happens as a result of believers coming together, Christ-centered conversations. Scripture is central. We have real conversations together. Jesus opens our minds through the Spirit. We teach one another. Our hearts start burning and burning. And then what happens is our feet are filled with energy and our lips are filled with things to share and our hearts and our eyes are empowered to share what we've just learned and we are transformed ourselves. I want to encourage us that we, this ancient practice that Jesus did, the first followers did, and his followers still today, that as we gather around God's word and we discuss it, we eat it, we chew on it together, we digest it, that it can lead to this transformation in our hearts hearts set ablaze to Jesus, that we understand him as he reveals himself continually and in deeper and deeper ways that he would then also send us out. And this is a possibility for each of us. 
This is a possibility for you. And my encouragement is, is that you would practice this in your lives because it can transform your life when Jesus shows up and he opens things up like never before. So I have a challenge for us before we pray. Here's the challenge. Today we read from Luke chapter 24. Yes, I had to do that for some reason. Luke chapter 24. Can you do this for me? This is actually not for me, so just delete that last statement. How about we do this together? Read Luke chapter 24, the story of the road to Emmaus. Think about it. And then find some people, maybe a couple. It might be right after this meeting. Maybe guys that are watching football, you might say, hey, you know how he was talking about, like, talking about Scripture? Did you want to do that now? It can be super awkward. That's okay. But you can just do one, here's a tip. One thing I like to do is go to people, hey, I've been reading the scripture. Can I just share the thought with you? And I ask them. And then they basically always say yes. And then I give, I I think I see this. What do you think? And then we're in a conversation. So I want to encourage us. Let's try it. And maybe your heart might burn to love Jesus, to be on mission, to care for his people. But as you have that conversation, whether it's two or three people, I want you to be aware of this. Jesus is present. As you have conversations where he's the center, he delights to show up. This isn't just any other conversation. Jesus is present, and he might open up your understanding in a way that you've never done before. That's our challenge for this week. Let me pray for us as we close. Jesus, we thank you for today. And God, I thank you for this community. God, that we do get to gather together as one big group. And God, we thank you for the things that you do in this context. God, I thank you that as individuals that we can spend time alone with you, reading the word, hearing your voice, growing in worship. And you do unique things in that context when we're with you in intimacy. But Jesus, would you give us an understanding that you also show up in powerful ways when we gather with two or three or four, put you at the center, look to your word, God, that you can do things that set our hearts on fire, that you can open our mind to understand things that in other contexts we wouldn't be able to do, and you've designed it that way because you've called us and created us for community. And so, God, I pray that now, as as we move out from here, God, that you would call us again, to build those kinds of friendships, to build those kind of connections, that you would start just percolating that thought, not just because we think it's a good idea, but God, because we know that in and through it, you would be glorified, that we would grow up into Christ in all ways, that we encourage one another, uh, and God, that you would build your kingdom through it. So God, would you give us a vision for these smaller kind of groups that can meet to put you at the center. Jesus, we thank you for your constant presence in our lives. Thank you for your word. And we honor you in Jesus' name. Somebody said, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.